look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle Matters, it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How are you doing? I'm great. How about you? Good. We were just talking in the commercial break. About? It's been today, 40 years ago. I don't know how you know that, Cliff Clavin. The Littlest Hobo, that show, came out on CTV. Okay. That's fantastic. 40 years. Then I found out that you're the actual main <laughs> character, and you've been running for 40 years. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, just going from town yeah, to town. Yeah. All you're doing is you're dating us, man. Like, what, 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 I'm what dating you. I'm just I'm stating a fact. I'm dating you. <laughs> yeah, okay, That's the difference. Enough. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's a great way to start the show. All right. Now that we've established that I'm an old dog, yep. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about. Well, it's an interesting show, I guess. We're going to talk about technology again. We like to get an update on a regular basis. Technology changes very quickly. Yes. Uh, you and I both agree that technology is going to play an important role. Huge. In in our society, particularly even this this demographic called baby boomers that are retiring in all aspects, medical, uh, healthcare, safety. Right, transportation, communication, companionship. Yeah, right. There's all these different areas it's going to touch, and so we're going to get an update on that. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to talk a little bit about. Uh, well, off air, we were talking about uh, the days of our lives. So you know, kind of what <laughs> what happened. I'm going to call it Groundhog Day because we're going to talk about stuff that um, we have to talk about because influencing markets. But it's getting boring to talk about, so we're going to have to be careful about how we talk about this going forward. Yeah. You know, you, you saw the the markets trading around. Headline news. Again. Headline speculation. Again. Around, are we making progress on a trade deal or are we not making progress on a trade deal? Right? And, um, you know, at some point, I assume there will be a conclusion of this, but I got to imagine listeners are just going, oh, I'm getting exhausted about hearing about this, but we can't not talk about it because it's affecting the market. Correct. And it's a sensitivity point. This is the one major news story that all eyes are on. And they want to see progress. They right. want to see uh, both sides saying we're getting it to a deal. Right. Um, something. If, uh, on Friday, something. the uh, the president of China came out and said, yeah, we want a deal, but we're prepared to retaliate if necessary. So now they're, it, it's a... You know, it's one step forward, two steps back, and then it turns into two steps forward, one step back, and you're like, right. we're not getting anywhere yet. Well, and there are too many people out there now are saying... This is not going to get done by the end of the year. Right. This is now a 2020 story. Right. And now we're heading into an election, and maybe there's going to be people saying they're doing it wrong, and we need to, we need to find a different way to negotiate. Right. And that might derail the whole the whole conversation again. So the sensitivity out there is pretty high, mm-hmm. and so people are reacting to the headline story, and they're either buying or selling or they're mitigating risk or whatever right. it may be because of it. Well, and it's a lot of political theater. I mean, we can t- certainly talk about the trade deal, but, you know, you've got the, inaug- uh, the impeachment, not the inauguration, <laughs> the impeachment, um, you know, headlines constantly going on. We've got, you know, the, the election coming up in the U.K. and the political theater around that. I mean, it's just unbelievable, right, people? Correct. And I uh, just talking to people this week, I'm, they're exhausted, right? What are you supposed to do? And, and it's almost we're getting desensitized to it at some point. Yeah. Um, and then there's the conversation around is the market pricing the risk properly and so on and so forth, so forth. All important so conversations. Right now, the market is not pricing anything because volatility metrics or right. the, really the measurement is called a VIX or is at an all-time low pretty right. much. Right. And so the market is not saying be careful. Right. They're saying be patient. Right. So that's a good segue into a piece that you, we were talking about again off air about 
a hedging strategy. Yes. Right? Some headline news here about a big hedge fund yep. making what would be to most of us a pretty big, taking a pretty big position of hedging against downside risk in the next three months. So let's see what the headline first said, and sure. then we'll talk about the details. Because the headline around uh, many of the media channels was, largest hedge fund manager is betting $1 billion, that's with a B, yeah. on the markets falling in the next three months. Right. When you dig into exactly what they're doing is they're basically hedging their positions. Right to protect themselves in the event of a downturn. Yeah, that's effectively uh, portfolio insurance that they're doing. But it is interesting when you think about the headline, right? How it gets presented in the Correct. in the press and the headline um, probably is it well appears to be very different from what, what Dalio is talking about, the, you know the the leader of the hedge fund and what he's talking about yep. they're actually doing. Yep. Um, walk it, through what what he's trying to accomplish hmm. and then uh, let let the listeners understand that there's that we have to kind of read past 140 characters. Yeah, you know? well, like that's what we've been accustomed to. Just read the right. first headline, right. and then not go into the meat of the story. Yeah. The, the meat of the story is what? Well, the details are effectively a portfolio insurance. I just want to protect against a concern that they have, whatever that concern may be. Any investor could have whatever concern they have. Um, about a short-term pullback. And so there's different ways that you can do that. An investor or a hedge fund can do that. One is you can sell all your equities, right, if you felt that was the issue. And we have that conversation with people a lot, Correct. right, just this last week. In fact, last week's show, we were talking about, should you sell all your equities? Yeah. Well, now you're making a big timing bet. So so in this particular case, what they're doing is they're uh, layering – well, it would be more complicated than this, but – on balance, so they're, they're layering in uh, a put option strategy to protect against if the market did pull back in that point, just just minimizing the volatility, the impact it'll have in that short term. Without putting all their capital towards it. Correct. And, and without so, making a big timing bet and a massive correct. reallocation in their assets. And this is what we, everybody needs to ask about their portfolio. What if the markets crash? What's going to happen to me? Right. And what I find is many Canadians cross their fingers and hope it doesn't happen. Right. That's their portfolio strategy. Well, there's a lot of yeah. investments, a lot of investment advisors, there's a lot of do-it-yourself investors that are so focused on the long term that a short-term pullback, and I mean 20%, can decimate their income in the future. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that when you're transitioning to or living in retirement. So ask the question, if my portfolio fell more than 20%, let's use that number as a good benchmark, what would happen? And what am I going to do about it? Right. Even if it may not pan out, it's always nice to have insurance. We it, all have insurance on our homes and our cars. Right. Car insurance there for in case of an accident. Right. You don't plan for it, but if it happens, how do you protect yourself? And right. that's money out the window if you don't have an accident, right? Like right. You, you've lost that money. So it's, it's an interesting business that we're in and that investors are in, mm -hmm. in general. Um, and retail investors, people like you and me and the people listening to this show, typically um, behave differently than institutional investors. Not, it's not to say every time. It's a broad stroke, but in general terms. But it's, it's a long-term business with, with short-term emotion that affects us, right? And it's the short-term emotion that screws everything up in the long term, <laughs> yeah. potentially, right, yeah. if you go down that path. And so when you look at these institutional guys and you, you dig into the details of, say, this headline as an example, right, a uh, billion dollars sounds like a lot of money to you and me, but for the biggest hedge fund manager in the world, 
keep it in perspective. Yeah. Okay. It's that's not what it is to you and me. Correct. Um, and so there's a portion of their portfolio that they're trying to hedge out a, a specific risk on. Now that risk may be one thing. You know, um, the risk that we often talk about is an income risk for people that are retiring. You got to fund a lifestyle, yeah. right? And so you need to hedge some of the volatility risk that you may experience in in, a, in an equity portfolio to supply predictable, sustainable income, right? It's the same thing. So we, we harp on this all the time, and this is part of the educational message that we take out to the, to the Calgary um, public every single month is proper structure, right, from a strategy perspective actually makes a difference over the long term and protects you against making those short-term mistakes. Yeah, I use the analogy of a vehicle. In, right. the, in every vehicle, you need three major parts. You need a, the, the accelerator or the gas pedal, you need the brake, and you need an airbag. Right. How come people's portfolios don't have that same respect? Right. What's your airbag right. in your portfolio? That's the question that needs to be asked time and time again, is if something happens like a crash, what's going to deploy and try to protect me as much as possible? And I want to take that even further. It's, it's about um, you, you have to recognize that is, again, I'm going to talk about sort of this moving into retirement. The, uh, you have multiple goals now, right? When we're younger, we always talk about this idea that, that I just want the assets that I'm saving to grow. Everybody has the same objective yeah. for those assets. Just yeah. get bigger over time. But when you move into retirement, it's getting more complex because you have multiple goals that you're trying to address. Yeah. And those multiple goals require different approaches. You have to invest differently to achieve predictability and sustainability of income than you do to offset, you know, or to uh, to gather long-term long-term growth. And so don't try to do that in one broad stroke. You need to to div- you have to hedge different risks. You have to approach each of these goals differently from a financial and a lifestyle perspective. Yeah. And I think that's really, that's critical. And that's, it's a good analogy of what they're trying to do, whatever risk they're trying to hedge against, whether it's short-term volatility. Think about, I want challenge everybody to think about the risks that they want to mitigate in their life. And that's what you want to take to your advisory team on a constant basis. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm nervous about. What do we do about this? Yeah. Right? How do I achieve these goals? Correct. And then we'll be discussing all that uh, at our next seminar. And we'll be talking about this five-pillar investment strategy approach, how to profit and protect along the way, how, I'm going to say this many times in the presentation, losing less is making more. Mm. And that's a very important piece in money management. And we're going to do that on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around to hear how technology is advancing to help you and me and our parents as they age. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, We often talk about um, technology. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think you and I are both on the same page that we think technology is going to play an important role in our society as we age. Right. In quality of life and quality of care and, uh, you know, delivering health care, all of these things. Yeah. And people think that technology is usually for the kids, right, young people. But it's um, the opportunities of how we can help um, people as they age yeah. is it's huge. Well, and it's fun to think about, right? It doesn't have to be just from a, you know, if I fall down, let somebody know. Yeah. There's this, you know, we've talked a lot about on the show about the social isolationism and a tech, technology is going to be able to do that. I mean, it has to some extent already with just, you know, if you FaceTime people, Correct. You're, you're, you know, you've got Star Trek available for free, right? <laughs> on your, you know, if, if, you know, mom and dad are, yeah. are, are savvy enough, I guess, technology-wise to use it. They've got to figure out how to beam people across the yeah. world. That'd be fun. Well, let's 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 talk about that. Let's do a little future gazing. And whatnot. We've got a terrific guest joining us today, Dr. Alan Mark with uh, 
Uh, sorry, Mark Worth. Uh, he's a professor emeritus at computer science at the University of British Columbia. Lots and lots of accomplishments here. But um, first of all, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's actually Alan Mackworth, just to get it right. Oh, did I, I got that wrong twice. Okay, got it. Mackworth. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah. No okay, let's, uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's dig into the details here. I, I'm really interested in sort of getting your thoughts around... Um, some of the most notable, you know, advancements in artificial intelligence or technology, whatever, whatever you might classify it as, uh, in the last year or so. Certainly. So, what we've really noticed in the last few years is artificial intelligence has made great strides, and in particular, machine learning, where you train a computer system to recognize pictures or speech and so on. And so those have enormous applications relevant to seniors. Uh, for example, you can now have systems that can detect pneumonia on chest x-rays. You can detect skin cancer automatically. Both of these can be done better than specialists in the field. So this would enable people to get much better, faster treatment of their uh, aging conditions. Um, Robotics is progressing enormously, so we're seeing smart shuttles you know, in long-term care facilities, seniors' villages, shuttles that are uh, driven automatically that someone can call on their smartphone to come and get them and deliver them to where they're going, and so on. There's just enormous progress being made in AI and machine learning but relevant to older adults. You know... Uh so, so Dr. Mackworth, I want you to maybe do a little bit of sort of uh, a future gazing here, and 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 give us a sense of what your, you know, what what's your sense of the of of, of what the future looks like for seniors, right? And I, it doesn't matter to me in what area. It could be in healthcare. It could be in, you know, socialization. So, you know, robotics in the home to help interaction. I'm just curious if you, you know, we take the shackles off you and just say, give us a look into the future, ten or fifteen years. What what comes to mind for you? Well, again, I think we can predict that AI and machine learning are going to continue to advance in robotics as well, hand-in-hand, hand, so that I think one of the biggest problems that uh, we have with the aging demographic is problems of people being stuck in, long, in, in hospitals and not being uh, looked after properly. So if they could either age in place or age in a more appropriate environment with assistance, intelligent assistance, uh, it could solve some of our major problems. So uh, we'll see a lot of advance in smart homes that are actually sensing you and, and detecting with appropriate privacy protections that are determining w what you're doing, whether you're still healthy, whether you've fallen down and need help, whether you're taking your medicines, whether you're eating properly, and if not, calling your caregiver or your family. So I think issues of social isolation will be... Uh, improved in that uh, we can stay in touch more globally, as we already do with FaceTime, but actually have systems and robots that understand us and can work with us. So it could help us transfer in and out of bed, could help us get dressed, could be aware of our condition, and again, notify people to come and, and give help if help is needed. Mm -hmm. Alan, in regards to the challenges that we see right now in the advancement of artificial intelligence, I kind of want to get an understanding of what challenges do we face today for for seniors to have this type of technology in their home. And then when you look around the world, 
who are the leaders of this for the aging? Is it is it here in North America? Is it Japan? Because we hear a lot about stuff coming out of Japan, or is there other places that people can look to, to see what's already happening and what uh, what are the, what are the opportunities in the future? Well, I think one of the we talk about hurdles in getting this technology to into people's hands. One is simply that it's very expensive, right. often, and so the wealthy can afford it, but everyone else can't. So. There are issues of making sure that uh, people on social assistance, that people who are being supplied by a healthcare system, can actually get these products. So we need more action in that in that area. Uh, there are issues of risks that some of this technology can be risky, although it may in the end save many lives. That we have to be very careful. So insurance companies and governments, regulators, are being very cautious in allowing people to use some of these technologies. Can I just and jump in there, Alan? When you say risk, sure. what did you mean by risk uh, when you say th- those words? Because that, that, that could mean multiple things out there. Well, for example, if you have a, a smart wheelchair, which is driving you around, you know, what if it uh, fell downstairs? You know, what right. if it banged into a wall and hurt you? So there are obvious physical risks. There are other risks, uh, risks of privacy and so on. It's People's electronic health records are being shared, uh, and, and that information is getting back to an insurance company. They might change your insurance coverage and so on. So those are uh, you know, financial risks to people. So these are some of the things we have to worry about. In terms of where this is happening, I think Canada can actually be very proud. We have AgeWell. It's the Canada's Technology and Aging Network, which is supporting a wide array of research in this area and is also working very closely with clinicians and with caregivers and with the older adults themselves, especially and often those with early uh, dementia, so that one of the risks of, of developing in this area is that you build products that nobody will use. So AgeWell has done a really good job of bringing together all the stakeholders to make sure that the end users of these products are actually involved in their development in the very earliest stages. So given some of the challenges and the risks that you've noted, um, you know, what's the timeline? I, I, I know technology is advancing all the time uh, and it's accelerating, but give us a sense of, you know, of when real change sort of when you see it hitting, you know, the re- regular people, mainstream. Yeah, mainstream yeah. That, uh, that need it. Well, it's not all in the future. Some of it is right now. You know, mm-hmm. for example, there's a company called Braze Mobility in Toronto, which is selling uh, add-ons to powered wheelchairs that make them safer. It uses artificial intelligence to detect nearby obstacles. That came out of work that we developed at the University of British Columbia in, in Toronto Rehab. Uh, that's on the market now, and it's selling. It's a startup. It's doing very well. There are quite a few startups. There's another one called Winterlight Labs, which is developing technology to analyze the speech of older adults. Mm. And it, it turns out that various speech cues can tell you that and predict uh, the onset of dementia so that patients mm. can be aware. That is in field trials right now, and I would imagine will be on the market in a year or two. So these things are happening all around us. Uh, and, of course, you know, big tech, Apple, Google, and so on are building... Siri and Alexa and Hey Google, uh, which are of enormous use to older adults. The, Absolutely. Uh, smart watches, again, you know, 
they have AI in them. They have special chips that allow you to do the AI on the watch and also to keep it private so it doesn't go back necessarily to Apple's servers. So this is, this is ongoing. Uh, and, of course, longer ranges, robots in the home that will be, you know, pets or personal care attendants uh, allowing uh, adults to, to live longer and to live healthier in, in their own environments. Dr. Mackworth, we have to leave it there. I want to thank you for sharing some time or spending some time with us today and sharing some of that uh, sort of future-gazing in, in fact, what's happening today. I appreciate your time. Well, you're welcome. We've been doing, uh, joined by Dr. Alan Mackworth. Boy, my tongue's not working today, i got to tell you. <laughs> Professor Emeritus of Computer Sciences at the uh, University of British Columbia. And, um, you know, we've got to talk about this, this journey that we're going to be on. Sure. Some of it's going to be technology-driven. Some of it's going to be human-driven. Some of it's going to be experience-driven. There's a whole bunch of elements to it. And I think that's a good segue to what we talk about in, in our seminar and how to pull all this stuff together. Yeah, right? pulling it all together. And one of the biggest concerns that Canadians have is their health and their yeah. health care and out-of-pocket expenses. So we're going to talk about how you can pay for all this stuff in the future right. uh, using our, our asset dedication strategy. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, December the 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Join us for a recent poll on the success and the happiness of Canadian retirees uh, after the break, You've, uh, you're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, love to keep abreast of uh, various polls throughout the course of the year on retirees. I mean, we've got a lot. Our demographic, uh, you know, this baby boom demographic is, is retiring every single day. Mm-hmm. Right? And every year, there's more and more and more. Yep. The question is, how are we doing? So let me give you the headline number that came from this Sun Life poll. Okay. of those that were surveyed said that retirement's not all cracked up what it thought it was going to be. I saw that. Now, there's another number here that scared me a little bit. 47% of working Canadians believe there's a serious risk that they could outlive their retirement savings. Yeah. So let's kind of dig into this. And hang on. Hang on. There's one more in here. I don't know if I can find it, and we're going to get our guest to um, make sure I've got my stats right. But almost three-quarters, I believe, in that report said they don't have a plan, a financial plan. Are you surprised about that? Well, I don't know that I'm surprised because we've seen enough poll uh, uh, studies to support that. But hope isn't a strategy. Yeah, but out of every single person that comes to us for a second opinion, for every single person who said, can you just take a look at my situation? And we ask, where's your financial plan? How many of them actually can, can give us one? Yeah, not many. So that, anecdotally, it's anecdotally, the, the poll is matching it. Right. So empirically, like yeah. we've heard poll yeah. after poll after yeah. poll saying... Canadians don't have a written financial plan. They have something like in, the, in the back of their head. Like, you know, I think I want well, to do A napkin a, calculation. That would be just a good start. Okay. That would be a good start. <laughs> okay. Like, let's, there's nothing in writing. So, so let's see if, this, if we can educate people again about this. It does take a little bit of effort. It does take some planning. Anyways, we've got uh, Tom Reed joining us today. He's a senior vice president of Group Retirement Services with Sun Life Financial. Tom, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay, you got to help us here. We're trying to educate people as best we can. There's a lot of people moving into retirement. They're thinking about this. There's lots of fear and concern about all of these issues that we've talked about. You guys have done a recent poll, your 2019 barometer poll. Let's start at a high level, Tom. Just give us a sense of, of what you took away from the results of this poll. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I think, uh, Dave, I would, I would call this a bit of a clarion call for Canadians, right? right. So uh, what I see through this whole poll is uncertainty and unease and and you know there's 
uh, related stress around uh, financial management, either for working Canadians or for Canadians who are retired. So, you know, I would hope that this nudges a bunch of people to think a little bit more planfully about their retirement savings and and seek out the advice of a trusted advisor. Um, you know, it's it's never too late to get an advisor and get yourself on track or back on track, and uh, and no amount of savings is too small. But get, seek out a trusted advisor so you can have a plan. And a lot of that uncertainty that I see through the results of this poll, I think could be could be dealt with, right? And put people on a better place, a better track to saving for retirement. So let's talk. Agree 100 percent with what, with what you said, and and I go back to what I said earlier. Hope's not a strategy, and there's a lot of people just running on hope, or they're unnecessarily worrying, right? And so they're de- decreasing or diminishing the quality of this retirement experience that they could be having because they haven't just done the work. We often talk about everybody knows what they're retiring from, but very few people know what they're retiring Correct. to. Correct. And then they haven't gone beyond that to say, is it sustainable? How do how do we do this? And the plan that they put together is sounds like it's a thirty year long weekend. Right. Like they're planning on all these trips <laughs> right. or all these activities. That's not going to happen through the rest of their lives. So when they start to plan this thirty year right. long weekend, right. That's not it. they're 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 focusing the financial side of it on the activities not on what's going to happen over the long term. And I think many Canadians are in fear of the unknown. And sure. so yep. it's kind of like many Canadians don't go for a physical every year. Right. They're scared to find out what's the reality. Right. And so it's sometimes easier to put your head in the sand and not worry or not think about it than it is to actually put your head up and realize that you got to, you, you could be in control by knowing what the numbers are. Right. Tom, some of these numbers um, were, you know, kind of scary, right? 47% of working Canadians believes they're, you know, they could outlive their money. Uh, 44%, according to, uh, to your poll, indicate they expect to be employed full-time at the age of 66. Right? What, so there's a whole bunch of stats in here. It's not my idea just to read them all. But what caught your attention? You read through this. There's a lot of consistency that we're seeing here. But what, what numbers do you gravitate to that we could try to get people's attention on? Well, you know, I think the, the, the big, huge uncertainty, when you see 47% worried about outliving their savings, you know, the, the big thing they can't solve for, and it's, it's a challenge for everybody, including insurance companies, is uh, yeah. how long are you going to live, right? Right. And so on the one hand, people are worried about outliving their savings because longevity is improving for Canadians, continues to improve. You know, you hit age 65, the average male can expect to live on average 23 or 24 years and a female it's going to be 25 years so uh, but on the other hand Canadians by and large don't want to buy an annuity because they're afraid that three years after they buy it they'll die and they won't be able to leave money to their estate so you know how do you buy protection how do you buy peace of mind uh, in in terms of not um, outliving your savings the best answer I have is is to get an advisor who can help walk you through that and help give you a better financial map of how long your savings will in fact last. Um, And Faisal, your point about uh, people think it's going to be a 30-year-long weekend is a good one. You know, there's there's certainly some of the non-essential spending will happen more earlier in your retirement. And and, uh, the focus more as you maybe get into your 80s is there's going to be other health care needs and, and other financial needs that will supplant travel and dining out and all the things that you might think you're going to do throughout that, uh, that 30-year-long weekend. So it's just it's complicated arithmetic. 
and and most Canadians are just uncomfortable with it, so they avoid doing it. I think the best advisors act as a great behavioral nudge, right? <laughs> they they just get people. They they create a discipline around your financial management, and and when you have an advisor, a good advisor, you're just going to sleep better at night knowing that you've got a plan. You're on plan. It might not be the plan you wanted. You know, you might not be able to travel the world every year for the next 10 years, but at least you've got a better sense of how to manage your money and how you can enjoy a comfortable retirement. So uh, I think that's, again, what I hope people come uh, come away from this poll um, realizing is that they should seek out some advice. Tom, that's a great point you just mentioned, that it may not be what you wanted, but at least you know what you have. And I think that's a very good piece. And it's not a it's not a numbers thing. When people hear these headline poll numbers, they think, well, you don't save enough, so you don't have enough. Right. That's not true. You could have $2 million in your savings, and it may not be enough. Right. You could outlive your money. It's all based on the relationship between what you spend and what you have. And when you come out with that plan, with that strategy, and understand that it may not be what you thought it would be, that's the hardest thing to actually go through and then start to adjust in your mind what will need to be taken. What do you you start cutting from what your expectations were to match that income? Well, and I think Tom makes a a super good point here because one of the things that we tell people – when we're talking to them, whether it's a client or just somebody we're, we're chatting with, is that we have um, an obligation uh, to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Correct. Right? Because as the CEO of their money, the chief executive officer of their wealth, your advisory team is your chief financial officer. And to Tom's point, there's a whole bunch of different strategies that a family can take um, to, to put in place a plan, from annuities to stocks and everything in between, right? Real estate, closely held businesses. Everything, yeah. But, but you've got to have a plan in place of how all these things, these pieces of the puzzle fit together, and you've got to be educated so that you can make it an informed decision about which path you're going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, is there anything here that, that caught your interest? I mean, you guys do these kinds of polls uh, on an ongoing basis. Is there a trend uh, brewing here that we should be aware of? Well, the one, the one I would draw your attention to is, you know, the – you can't just show up at 60 or 65 and think, you know, what can I do now, right? So, so starting earlier helps. And, uh, and I would say uh, the whole notion of saving at the workplace is really important because, um, because it's, it's, again, it's got a great behavioral effect. You kind of show up at work, you start a new job, and they start deducting, and you live with whatever your net payroll is and, and your net take-home pay is, and, and it gets you on the path to saving for retirement. It's a, it's a relatively low-cost um, uh, retirement saving model. And then, you know, as you get closer to retirement, you're going to need advice, but you're going to have a little bit bigger um, pile of savings that your advisor can help you work with. And uh, not enough Canadians are taking advantage of the workplace savings, where you get a 50% or a 100% employer match. Right. And so, you know, as you know, um, if you can put in a dollar of savings and your employer puts in 50 cents, that's a 50% return just for, show, just for showing up. And 
you can't really get returns like that anywhere else in the market. Guaranteed. So, yeah. Right? So, yeah. so I think just these are simple things that Canadians can be doing. We, in our plans that we administer, we probably get about 65% participation in the plans. And, and not all of those 65% are even contributing at the maximum to get the, the, uh, the top employer match. So there's a lot of uh, better behavior that we'd like to see in terms of Canadians saving for retirement at the workplace. And then, you know, as you, as you move to retirement, it's a much more complicated situation. There's a lot more factors to consider, you know, how much you're going to travel, dinner out, health care costs, etc., that's when the value of, of uh, advice, to my mind, um, just uh, goes up exponentially. So, here's the headline. Here's the headline, Tom. Got to work on. Yeah. Tom, here's the headline for your next uh, next piece out. Canadians are giving away free money. Yeah, we surprise, think surprise! Three to four billion dollars a year that Canadians yeah. are leaving on the table, yeah. and we don't want it. Match. <laughs> and we don't want it. Wow, that is a staggering number. Tom, we, uh, we can't do justice to the entire uh, piece you've put out. We appreciate all the work you guys are doing uh, in the polling, and we thank you for your time today. Thank you, guys. We're joined by Tom Reed. He's the Senior Vice President of Group Retirement Services with Sun Life Financial. Buddy, we've got to make this all make sense for people and give them a, a, a roadmap to, to make this happen, right? It is complicated. Yeah. We're going to talk the about The design that. for success as you transition to retirement and live through retirement. Yeah. We'll discuss that on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're going to pull it all together in the next segment. Stick around. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR. And More Than Money. Let's talk about More Than Money. Mm-hmm. Um, I often like to share my own personal experiences in this because it's. Uh, I, I fundamentally believe that this is a human journey. Right now, uh, I'm 51 years old. Many of our clients are in retirement already. Yep. Um, but it's a, it's a human journey, right, this whole thing. And I, our practice is built around the human journey. It's not just built around stocks and bonds. Not saying that stocks and bonds aren't important. Correct. Just saying it's a much bigger, more complicated conversation. Yes. Okay. But we, it, it, so my personal situation ties in with lots of situations that our clients have. Yeah. I'm going to call it the health effect. Okay. Right? At some point in our lives, we're all touched by a health effect. Correct. And it doesn't even have to be you. Or your significant other. It can be an extended family member or a close personal friend. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. going to have the same impact on you. Okay. Okay. But it is different when it hits you a little bit. Yeah. Right? Because it's one of those things you never, this doesn't happen to me. This happens to other people. Yeah. Right? How many times do we talk about uh, cancer? Okay. Yeah. And, and the, the effect it has on a life. And we've, uh, Maddie and I have had a personal experience with this recently um, where Maddie was diagnosed with uh, thyroid cancer. And uh, I, I didn't know anything about thyroid cancer. And I can tell you, Faisal, that when you get the diagnosis and you sit there, uh, you don't hear anything after the C word. Yeah. Right? And you go to that really dark corner. Um, now, in our case, it's fortunate. The outcome of this was a good news story. Thyroid cancer is operable. She's done the follow-up treatments. She, there's no cancer. Yeah. Okay? Done. But I have to tell you the, the experience that I had so there's 48 hours of pure shock, mm-hmm. um, and you're just trying to keep it together. And then you move on to, okay, so there's some realities we have to deal with. And we educated ourselves about what we were facing from a health uh, impact. We seek professional advice. We did not go onto the Internet. 
That was our first decision. We are not going on the Internet to try to self-diagnose what this is going to look like. We went to professionals to get the real information. Okay. We got educated. And then we had to go back and start to say, okay, so this is our new reality. We went back to our financial plan. We took a look and reviewed our insurances. We had conversations with extended family about what's going on and what we have to do, you know, and all of this in an effort to make sure that the kids were protected. We were in. Correct. Because there's so many things that are going on in your mind. Correct. What happens today? Right. What if it doesn't go the way that we want it to go? And right. what happens with our children? What right. happens with our family? You have an aging mother who's got, who's in, has dementia right. and, and Alzheimer's. So she has to be taken care of. Yep. Like you're in the sandwich generation, right? right? Taking care right. of your kids and your mother. Yep. So, and now you have to be supportive for your wife. So you're, you're, this is the journey. This is the journey. This is the journey. Now, you know, we did review uh, things like uh, income and savings and insurances, and those are financial things, yeah. right? But it was so much more than that, right? That Those steps and the journey and, and talking to family about different things and thinking about what the future may or may not hold, and yeah. it was crazy. And, right? and to think that you, know, you came to work every single day, and that was on your mind and on, on your shoulders, a lot of weight on there, and you still had a, somewhat of a distraction. Right. Like here at the office, you, you, you have a distraction. Right. Think about people who have got this, you know, the C word, the, the, the cancer scare, and they're retired. Right. So I was in Edmonton this week. Right. And uh, a family of ours that we work with have said, we just found out we have colon cancer. Right. They were talking about their financial plan and the income prior to that, and all of a sudden, it just the conversation just changed. Right. And it went into the whole, well, we've got cancer, it's early detection, maybe we can get this all fixed up and so forth. So they're, they're optimistic, which is good. They haven't, they haven't yeah. given up or quit. Yeah. But now everything's in perspective. And what I learned from that, Dave, is that when there is a scare like this, and don't forget, my mother passed away from cancer, yeah. so I experienced Yeah, you've it been touched by it too. As a child, at, at 23 years of age, I learned how this can impact a person and how it right. impacts a son. Right. I'm learning how it impacts a spouse through right. you. I'm learning it how it impacts a person who's in retirement through our clients. And I can tell you, all three times have one thing in common. People start to reflect, reflect on their life. Right. And the number one thing that comes out is regret. Right. I regretted that I right. didn't do the following things. Right. And so when they regret, I'm going to tear up here. Yeah. When they regret, they start to worry about what they didn't get accomplished in their life, right. not what they're trying to do. Right. And this is the time that we keep on saying to our clients, to our friends, to our family, it's important that you do what you want to do for your happiness and get this in order because life is too short. Yeah. We talk about, I, always, I frame it this way, it's the 30 summers. Yeah. Right? I've got 44 because I'm younger. Yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for rubbing that in. Of course. But truly, it is, you know, it's perspective. And, and uh, our experience, my, my experience with Maddie, perspective. You had this perspective in your personal life. We have it with our clients. I had a call just this week from a, uh, a gentleman. They got the, the cancer diagnosis. Um, the, the, the results are not good. Yeah. He said, he said Dave, I got to meet with you. I said, I'm a mess. I can't make any decisions. I've been doing this myself. I, uh, I can't do it. Yeah. Right? So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change, right? Health, that health bucket is a real thing, and it's going to touch everybody, and it's going to create change and uncertainty and so on and so forth. And that's a personal journey. Some of it's financial, but, but so much of it is not financial, but it has to be considered in the overall thinking, right, perspective, and that's what yep. it comes down to. Yeah, it does. 
Anyways, that's a tough one. So, um, so the learning outcome from all three scenarios, my mother's situation, yours and Maddie's, our client's situation is, you know, once the initial shock is is been digested, right? it's time to start rallying a group. You need a support group yep. for the emotional side. Yep. You need your financial house in order. You need your medical and health house in order. And, and it's work. And many Canadians just can't do all of it on their own. So wow. build your team. Right, yeah. have your team, and if you don't have a team at this point in time, it's okay to say I need to find somebody. Yeah. It's okay to ask for help. You don't have to do everything yourself because that's where things can go wrong. If you're trying to do everything yourself sure. and, you, and something falls off the wagon, you're gonna you're gonna have the regret. Yeah, and and there's regret. There's potential mistakes. Like you know, I I can tell you from that personal experience. You you went through the loss of a parent. You can't think straight during that period. Yeah. Right. You can't. It's just not possible to do that. You'd be an, a robot if if you did it. So um, listen, I don't want to dwell on this. This isn't supposed to be um, like we had this experience, and I have to tell you, it's changed me as a person. It's changed me as an advisor. Of course. Right? You and I know that this is about a journey. We've always been talking about that. That's what this show is about. It's not just about stocks and bonds. Um, but it's a, it's a heck of a reminder, right, to, uh, to stay focused on the things that are important, to make sure that you're having the experiences that you want with the people that you want. Okay? This is well beyond stocks and bonds, yeah. right? I can't stress that It comes that back to happiness. Right. It comes back to what makes you happy. It's not always about the money and how much income you're getting and how frequently and what right. the stock market's doing. and all. It's all about your happiness at the end of the day. Right. And so think of it from that macro level and then worry about the small micro pieces to get there. Right. So and, reverse and engineer that. What, what does happiness look like to 100%. you? And then go reverse engineer to get there. I think that's 100%. I think this ties in very nicely. It pulls together some of these results. Um, I, we have to, you know, that Sun Life poll, a lot of polls we see, uh, uh, working in retirement is not a problem. Yeah. In fact, it's often a solution. Correct. Staying engaged. So um, I want to, you know, I want to, uh, th- the work that Tom and his team are doing, Sun Life and all the other polls we see are great, but put it in the context of the journey and the experience you want to have. And if you want to work, and we've got lots of people that we work, that that's part of the retirement plan, that's awesome. That's right? great. And nobody can tell you, well, why are you working? Yeah. Is that a failure? Yeah. No, it's not a failure. It's not. Okay. It's not. So let's talk about this um, this journey and how to put it all together yeah. and sort of share our, our collective experiences. We're going to do that at our seminar. Yeah, it's going to be the collective experience and the strategy behind bulletproofing your retirement on Tuesday, December 3rd, 7 p.m. At the Carriage House Inn, you need to reserve your seat, so give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, well, thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money. Uh, We're going to do it again next week, and we hope to see you there. You're on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 
David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.